The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous. Our show will educate you about OA's 12-step program so you recognize the symptoms of compulsive eating and find the support you need in a program that works to help you control your eating behaviors and maintain a healthy weight. In this next hour, you will realize you're not alone and that there is hope for recovery and a whole new life free of obsession with food and weight. Now, here is your host, Naomi Lapel. Good afternoon, and welcome to Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous, a 12-step solution to compulsive eating. I'm Naomi LaPel, Managing Director of Overeaters Anonymous, also known as OA. We're presenting this 13-week series to educate you about OA, what the program is, and how it's worked for others who struggled with their eating and weight. Today, we're going to talk with OA members who have 100 or more pounds to lose and how they were able to do that in OA. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, more than one-third of U.S. adults are obese. The World Health Organization states that more than one in ten of the world's adult population is obese, and at least 2.8 million adults die each year as a result of being overweight or obese. Obesity-related conditions include heart disease, hypertension, stroke, type 2 diabetes, sleep apnea, osteoarthritis, and certain types of cancer. And overweight and obese persons may also struggle with emotional or psychological effects like depression, anxiety, shame, social discrimination, and not being able to participate in life the way they most want. It's not unusual to find people in Overeaters Anonymous who are once 100 pounds or more overweight who suffered both physically and emotionally. Joining us today are three guests, all of whom have lost 100 pounds or more and are maintaining long-term healthy weight. Since anonymity is an important principle of our program, we'll only be using their first names. We'll begin with Scott from New York. Welcome, Scott. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to be here. Uh, great to have you. Thank you. Um, so tell me first how much weight you've lost and how long you've kept it off. Okay, I've lost in excess of 350 pounds. Wow. And I've kept it off since approximately the, the fall of 2005. Oh, fantastic. That's amazing. What was, what was your life like before you uh, came to OA, before you lost all the weight? Did you have an issue with food or eating compulsively your whole life? Yes, yeah, since I was about nine years old, that's why I first saw it start to come on. I was very compulsive. During one summer, I was eating. The food was available. I was overeating. And just to show you the extent, I was away for the summer, and I was still exercising and still gaining weight. So I had to really be overeating, and I came back heavy. Mm-hmm. So it started when I was nine, and my first diet, my doctor put me on my first diet the following spring, 
I was just three meals a day and nothing in between. And it worked for a little while, but eventually I went back to the overeating. Yeah. What was it like to be on a diet at such a young age? Well, I didn't like it, but I did it to get the approvals, you know, like my parents, the doctor, you know, because my doctor didn't like it. He was always screamed at me for it. So it was fine, but it, but it didn't last. Yeah. What was it like to carry so much additional weight? Did you have physical or emotional problems as well? Well, I had more the emotional at that time because I was not that overweight at, at such a young age. So I was a little slower in walking around. I still played Little League Baseball. Or maybe I was a little slower on the base paths than other people, but that's been about it. What, what it did for me was I had such a loss of self-esteem because my parents kept saying, wouldn't you like to look better if you lost the weight or you could look so nice in the clothes? I was outgrowing my clothes at a good size pace to where I was going into special sizes. Right. And what about um, as an adult? Uh, what was it? What was it like for you then? Okay. Well, as I got into like my teenage years, I was overeating more and more to be sneaky about it. I was still coming on, and I did develop high blood pressure. And as an early adult, about approximately age like twenty, and I should not have had it at that early age. It was like right. two hundred over one fifteen. It was just extremely high, and it was heavily medicated. And I just couldn't, you know, I just suffered from not being able to learn to learn as well. And having teachers say he could learn better or he'd be better if I lost the weight. And I had trouble getting around more, fitting into normal size places, including driving a car. I had trouble doing that. Yeah. What was your, what was your top weight, Scott? Well, I don't know my top weight because I started to, um, but my top weight, known weight, was 530 pounds. And I know I gained more weight between that last weigh-in, and starting to lose the weight in this recovery. Right. So I was probably much heavier. Yeah. Did you, did you ever feel like it, it would just be impossible for you to get to a healthy weight? It did, and I always wanted to lose the weight. I was thought on a commercial diet, and I knew I wanted to lose the weight, but the, and it would work for a while, but deep down I knew I'd never be able to keep it off. So I always went deviated, and I also I always went back to the overeating, and even to the lying to the commercial plants that I don't know what's going wrong. You know, to, that's the mentality that I had. Right, right. Um, did you ever have an experience of of hitting bottom, like reaching such a low point that you just you were desperate? Yes. Now, while the commercial plants gave me a weight loss, I lost like 100 pounds one time, 200 the next. The real bottom that I had was after I had been married at the time, close to 10 years. At the time, I was 471 pounds. And I just felt simply stifled because I could hardly walk. I was taking buses and cabs everywhere. And I, was, and I could hardly get close and hardly do my job at work. And finally, one day in the morning, when I was ready to, to prepare to go to work, you know, I hit that bottom. I started to see myself as a thin person. And that was the bottom that I knew I had to do something about the eating. The diet was not the problem. It was the right. eating issues. And yeah. based on this short stint that I had in OA before, this is what led me to it also. And somebody told me about a treatment center. Now, a treatment center is an outside issue, but it, 
I knew it was good enough to get me that jump start, and that's exactly what I did. Uh huh. And so you were in a treatment center, like inpatient, for a certain amount of time. Inpatient folks for close to five weeks, mm-hmm. and and it was that time that I was finally able to do something with it, and just the surrender to do something. And they gave me a food plan. They gave me all the therapy that I needed, and I was on my way. And when I came back, I came into OA for good. And I oh, had never wow. left. And I, this was in 1994, and I, no matter what, I never left the rooms after and that. So, so what was it like um, after your treatment in the treatment center? You came out and you came to OA, and, and how was it different for you than all the other things you tried up till that point? I was not following it as a diet. It was just the way I had to eat from that time on. And I felt clear about myself. I felt better. And no matter what I did, I was doing it with a very clear head instead of being in a cloud. When I, you know, my relationship with my, with my now ex-wife was much better off at that time. When mm-hmm. I went to work, I was able to get my work done like two hours ahead of time. And still not sleeping through the night because I, I had been suffering from sleep apnea. You mm-hmm. know, I did not know it at that time. And as the weight came down, I was able to walk more and I felt more the physical freedom in addition to the emotional freedom. So I stopped taking buses and cabs everywhere and I was just doing the walking and actually looking forward to doing the walking for the first time in my life. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so you were saying that your, your, your thinking got more clear. Do you think that was sort of a result of everything, or, or when you ate certain foods, did it kind of make you foggy? Well, I knew I was foggy from the food, and I knew it at that time. Now, they took me off of sugar at that time, and that was part of why I was doing it, and I was more clear thinking with that. So that was at least part of the answer but I, right. unfortunately, I was not able to keep, you know, I kept to it a little over a year. Mm-hmm. And I was not able to do it after that. I did go into relapse. Right. Um, so you went into relapse for a certain amount of time, but you stayed in, you kept coming to OA meetings, even so? Yes, I still kept coming to the meetings. I still kept trying to do something to get the abstinence back. Yeah. And it took, now, even though I had a stand in a treatment center again, it took me like somewhere between six and a half and seven years to really get it back. Right. And, and so what, what was your biggest challenge or what has been your biggest challenge in this whole process? Well, first it was getting it back. And I never realized how much people were working for me to get me help in different ways. I went along with it because they saw I was sticking to it. But the biggest challenge was getting into treatment that third time. First mm-hmm. of all, that was the first challenge because my insurance this time would not pay for it. I had lost my job. I, I had been gotten divorced, and my insurance would not pay for it because they said treatment will not work. So wow. I stayed like that for two years until this place was able to, the place I was looking at two years earlier was willing to take me in and try it again. And this time my insurance okayed it. I was there for eight weeks. The difference was, I was doing more for myself. They taught me how to cook, keep up an apartment. They took me off of sugar and flour this time mm-hmm. around, unlike the first time. And they taught me this something different, that I had to put my own recovery before anything else. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so... 
that was like everything else, nothing else in your life would really work unless you made your recovery first. Yes. Now, in the relapse, I gained, I, I'd estimate I gained about 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I went up to my highest weight, so I was able to get in there, and I was there for eight weeks. And when I came back, that's exactly what I did. You know, my father was sick, and instead of taking care of him first, I took care of me first. Because I couldn't take care of him unless I was well enough to do that. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, so when you, when you lost, so you've lost so much weight at this point, um, did you find that people around you treated you differently, or did you treat yourself differently as a result? Both. At first, I treated myself differently, and I think that seems to other people. They still treated me with all the love that I needed, but there was a difference I was doing more for myself, so I think I've gotten more of the respect that I'm doing something for myself that I I now have the long-term recovery that I never had before. Right. Must be really inspiring for people around you to, to hear your story and see how far you've come. Well, I, I'd like to think so, but, you know, but I know I, I, still, I still like to stay away from getting like a swelled head over it. I just do uh, what yes, I have course. to do. And, and people do notice. Now, also, the secret is not just being off the sugar and the flour and the cooking for myself. It's also doing, sticking with OA, and I've taken on more service than I've ever done before, and that has been the key also, working the steps and doing the tools. That has been, those two things have been the key to really sticking with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Was there a particular step when you first started in the program that really just, just jumped out at you or hit you in a certain way that changed your life? It was just the first step because I had to be reminded again of how powerless I actually am. And that's what, what really, that's for all of us, has, it gets us into the rooms. So that's really what's it. That's that most of all. Yeah, you talked, you mentioned it, uh, earlier something about surrender. Tell yes. me a little more about that. It's just uh, an acceptance that I can't, that I have this eating disorder. I cannot do anything about it. The only thing I can do is arrest it a day at a time by working the program, working the steps, the traditions, and sticking to a food plan religiously one day at a time. Now, my food plan, like I said, is sugar and flour free, three meals a day, one evening snack, and I weigh and measure my foods almost religiously. That's great. So, like, 98% of my meals are weighed and measured. Mm -hmm. I do not go by eye, except for once in a great while, which I do because I realize that's part of living a normal life. Once in a while, I have to do that. Right. Hey, it's time for us to take a short break. So we will continue with Scott after the break. This is Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stay tuned. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. 
We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading Conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We are talking with Scott from New York about his process in losing 355 pounds. Um, welcome back, Scott. Thank you. Um, so did you find that you still had body image, image issues to confront once you were no longer obese? Yes, because I still looked at myself sometimes that I look well enough. I still thought of myself sometimes as a heavy person. But it's improved to where I can look at myself in the mirror. Now, the one thing I did not like about my body was that was that I still had all this excess skin. Yeah. But for some, How did you? And I did what I did was I did have it surgically removed. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, it's still not perfect, but it's still good enough. And I have to remind <laughs> myself each day it's good enough. I still better. I no longer have to worry about what do I look like in a bathing suit. Where I was right. self-conscious about it before. Yes. Um, how do you how do you deal with um, stressful, emotional, or situations? You know where your trigger foods are around. How do you deal with that now? Well, I have my phone calls to make if I feel very stressed. I I was able to get back to work, and I'm working for a major hospital, and we have as food oriented. A lot of times they'll buy us breakfast. We go out. You know, we'll have like. Um, They'll buy his lunch sometimes if the situation calls for it, and nothing that I can have. I simply bring my own foods in the same way I do every single day. My coworkers know I'm in program. I, was, I gave up on the, and the anonymity. They mm-hmm. know, so they see, and they could be very helpful in being very supportive. Yeah. It's doing yeah. just that. I just go by, because I cannot go back to the way I was. I'm very fearful of that. Yeah, I hear you. How how is your life different now in terms of your health, your well being, your relationships since you've okay, been in I OA? Have some more friendly, open relationships because I'm more clear headed. I am, like I said, I am back to work. I am able to think more clearly and see where I'm stressed out at and actually work on it to put it out and to get the help that I need, not just within program. If I need that extra medical help, I'm not ashamed to ask for it and to go after it. Yeah. And how about um, your like life satisfaction in general? It has been like, like, like nothing I've ever known before. I feel like a normal person for the first time, really, in, that I can remember. And I'm... And living in a normal-sized body, I feel like a child with a brand-new toy. I'm learning to live with it and enjoy it. <laughs> That's wonderful. I, Is I there any gift the from being in a way that you're especially grateful for? The gift of just, like I said, living normally, having good friends in and out of the program, and just not having to worry about, you know, about getting sick or about 
being a burden on other people, like if I can't keep up with them walk-wise, for example, or just being around and having other people make fun of me because of the weight. I've had that where I feel self-conscious for my friends more than myself. Right. So um, how, how do you start your day? You, you, ha- you, you say that you maintain your abstinence one day at a time. So how, tell me how you start your day and how you end your day. Okay. Well, during the week when I get up, I have to, you know, to go to work. I had, I'll, I'll start up, I'll get, I'll wash up, I'll get dressed, and I have breakfast, and I get to work. Now, I always have a meal cooked for me, my lunch, to take with me to work. So I take that, and I just get to work. And on the weekends or off days, I'll get up, I, you know, I get dressed, have breakfast, and most mornings, like weekend mornings, I, go to, I start out with a meeting. Oh, really? So you go in yeah. the morning? Yeah, on the weekends, and I go to a couple of meetings after work during the week. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I think my, my normal regimen is four meetings a week. Uh-huh. That's what I do for myself. So on other days, I get up, I get dressed, and if I'm not doing anything, I just start out with an abstinent breakfast, first thing. Uh-huh. So that I'm not Fair. having the breakfast too late or I'm not having the meals too close together. Right. It sounds like really sticking to the schedule that works for you is really important. Yes, we have a new tool in the past year called Action Plan, and it's just planning out how each day is going to be with, and mixing in your absent meals, your meetings, with whatever else you have to do for the day. Right. Well, thank you so much, Scott, for sharing your incredible story with us, and Anytime, congratulations I, on your success and your abstinence. You. Anytime. It's Anytime. great to talk to you. You too. Now I'd like to welcome Pat from Florida to the show to talk about her recovery from compulsive eating. Pat, you've lost 100 pounds, is that right? Yes, I have. And welcome to the show. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about what your life was like before you came to OA. My life was terrible. Um, it, I felt like I was living in a deep, dark dungeon. It was a dungeon of my own making, but it was a dungeon. I was pretty much hopeless, especially as uh, my weight increased and increased and increased, and I had tried so many diets and nothing worked, and I, I had gotten to the point where I gave up hope. Yeah. Um, what were some of the things that you weren't able to do in your life as a result of your weight? Oh, a lot of things. I, I could only walk short distances uh, because I was so heavy, um, and I gave up much of my social life because it was just too much of an effort to, to be places. And I also, I just felt so out of place and so uh, different from everybody else. And so I just tended to isolate more and more and more. Yeah. Did you have particular, um, well, let me ask you this. Was this something that you struggled with as long as you can remember or did it start in your adulthood? What was that like? No, it started, I've been overweight most of my life since I was a very small child and struggled all my life with being overweight and my weight just kept increasing and increasing as the years went by. And what about your relationship with friends and family, both as a child as an adult? Were they, you said that you tended to isolate, was that with your family as well? To a degree. Uh, my family lives in another state and I, the, these later years I only see them once or twice a year, but... Whenever I was with them, my primary focus was on how much food could I eat without them noticing it. And I, 
I didn't realize until I've been in OA how much I was missing of just relating to them as people and not as obstacles to my eating. Right. So you weren't really ever present with anybody No. My focus was always on where could I get more food and how much could I eat without anybody noticing it. Did did it ever feel like it was just impossible for you to lose? Oh, all the time. I just I Did, felt like I belonged to some other alternate universe, that I was just so different physically and every other way from anyone around me, and I just felt that people tolerated me because I, I was such an awful person. Hmm. Did, you, did you go through an experience of hitting bottom in oh, your life? I did. Um, I retired several years ago, and before I retired, I had promised myself a, a transatlantic cruise. And about a year after I retired, I took that cruise and with a, a very dear friend, and it was awful. I cried the entire time because on the ship, I couldn't fit in anything except the bed and a chair that had no arms. I couldn't sit in seats in the theater. I couldn't sit in the seats in the dining room. They had to bring me uh, a, a separate chair, different from everybody else's chair. And it was just one humiliation after the other. I had a very difficult time moving around the ship because I was so heavy. And when we got over to the United Kingdom, uh, we had excursions booked, and getting on and off of the buses was terrible because I could hardly fit getting up and down the stairs. I could hardly move. I cried and cried. I cried an ocean of tears. And at the end of that cruise, I, I gave up. I was completely, utterly without any hope. And I just woke up every day wishing that I were dead. Wow. So it must have been quite an experience coming to OA and hearing other people share stories that were similar or feelings that were similar to yours. It was an unbelievable experience. The first time I went to an OA meeting and a dear friend who was in another 12-step fellowship just mentioned to me, and I believe that was God's way of getting me to OA, mentioned to me, about OA, and she talked about the 12-step way of life. And I don't remember making a decision to go to an OA meeting, but I just, I did. <laughs> and I got mm-hmm. there, and I, when I saw all these people walked in the room, and I thought, oh, good, another place I don't belong, because they were all of a normal body size. And I, I just thought, oh, well, I should leave. Uh. I was too embarrassed to leave. And as they began sharing, I... I began to realize, although I couldn't name it at the time, they were all in recovery, and what I was seeing was a lot of recovery. But as they shared some of their stories, for the first time, I had a faint glimmer of hope that if they could do it, maybe I could do it. And as I heard them share, the, the dominant thought in my head was, who crawled inside my head and took notes? Things that I had <laughs> never shared with anybody I heard other people saying, and I slowly began to realize that what I thought of was just my own awful uniqueness or terminal uniqueness, as we like to say, was behaviors that were very characteristic of addictive people. And for the first time that night, I had a shred of hope, and that hope has just grown and blossomed into something very beautiful today. That's, that is so moving. Wow. When you... Um so tell me a little bit about your process when you started in OA, like um, maybe your plan of eating. How, how was that different from what you'd done, done before, and, and how did that fit in with the steps and the tools of the program? <laughs> My plan of eating before was to eat everything and anything in sight. Right. And uh, for the 
time, I had been on many, many diets, and of course all of them failed because I, I couldn't stay on them. And um, two years before I came into OA, my doctor had sent me to a nutritionist in, in desperation because I had a lot of things wrong with me. And I met with the nutritionist, and she gave me a food plan, and I came home and looked at it again, and I thought, oh, I can't do this, and I put it on my shelf. And the morning after I went to my first OA meeting, I woke up and I thought, well, I know I have to do two things. I have to get a food plan, and I have to get a sponsor. And I sat there thinking, how am I going to get a food plan? And then the thought came in my head, well, Pat, you have a food plan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was just waiting and, for and you. And I got it off my shelf and, and dusted it off, and, and I thought, oh, holy cow, I don't know if I can do this. And then I thought, well, I'll try it for breakfast, and if it works, then maybe I'll try it for lunch if it doesn't kill me. Well, of course, it didn't kill me, and I tried it for lunch, and it didn't kill me again. And I thought, all right, I could try this for supper. And then that afternoon, uh, one of the, the women who was at the meeting Thursday night called because I had taken down some names from the We Care list, but I didn't call anybody because I just knew that no one would want to talk to me. Of course, what I thought I knew, I didn't know anything. But anyway, this woman called, and we spoke for I don't know how long, and I realized that this is someone that that I could talk with and someone that was willing, obviously, to listen to me. And I asked her to be my sponsor, and she agreed, and she's still my sponsor today, and, and just an extraordinary blessing in my life. Um, And we talked about a food plan, and I told her what I had, and she said, well, good. Why don't you just work with that? And so I did, and it's weighed and measured. um, Wait, we're going to – Pat, I'm sorry to interrupt. We we have to take a quick break. Okay. Um, So hold that thought, and um, we will be right back. You're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on Voice America. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. 
Welcome back to the show. We are talking with Pat about her experience in OA. And Pat, you were talking about um, your sponsor and your plan of eating. Yes. Um, my plan of eating is a weighed and measured food plan, and that was something that was very new for me because my only idea of measuring before this was how much could I get on my plate or in my hand or whatever. And it's weighed and measured. It's based on, on the diabetic exchanges because um, I have diabetes. And I've been using basically the same plan for three and a half years. And at the beginning, I was so afraid of a food plan because I thought, how am I going to exist without all of the binge foods that, that consumed my life? And I, I didn't realize at the time that I wasn't free. I was, I was so um, Im- immersed in this terrible compulsion, this terrible addiction, that I had no choice. I just ate, ate, ate. And now... With the food plan, it sets boundaries for me, and it's very freeing because before OA, I never put a bite of food in my mouth that I did not feel guilty about. Now, when I eat, I can enjoy the food because I know that it's healthy for me. I'm making good choices. They're um, set in place by my nutritionist and, and my sponsor, and I know that, that my thinking on food, because I have a food addiction, is never really accurate, and so it's good that somebody else is, is taking charge of that for me, and my job is to just follow the directions that I've been given and make healthy choices and eat a healthy, a healthy diet at each meal. Wow, that must be so different just from, from what your life was like before. It must, it's incredible. I, would, it, thank you. I didn't have a life before, and today I have a life that is so rich that I just, I thank God many times a day for, for this, yeah. this the OA way of life. Uh, what was it like for you to um, lose such a lot of weight and, and keep it off? Did, did you find that people treated you differently? Yes, they do, and I think it's because I treat myself differently, because mm-hmm. the, I, I was always hiding behind that fat. That sounds funny, but that's sort of what I did. Uh, and when you're as heavy as I was, you kind of are invisible in a certain way because a lot of people tend to dismiss you. And I tried to keep myself as invisible as I could. I didn't speak up as much. I didn't. Um, I, I tried to keep a very low profile, and today I don't. Um, I have some wonderful, wonderful, many wonderful friends in this fellowship, and I enjoy spending time with them. I enjoy doing so many more things than I was able to do before. And did you find that your health improved when you lost the weight? (laughs) There's been a dramatic improvement in my health. In fact, um, my doctor told me that he didn't think I needed to see him anymore, and I said, why not? He said, because, he said, there's not much wrong with you anymore, girl. You're in great shape. (laughs) Boy, that must have felt good. Oh, it did. It was, it was, it was an amazing boost for me, yeah. How did you um, deal with body image issues after um, losing the weight? I'm still working on that because I still need to lose more weight. Um, and a lot of times I still, in my mind's eye, I still see the person who was well over 300 pounds. And mm-hmm. um, the other day I tried on something that I wore before I started losing weight, I thought, oh, maybe I can wear this again. And um, I put it on, and it was so huge on me. It was, there was no way I could wear it again. But it made me feel good. I thought, oh, I have lost a lot of weight. And I don't, I don't always, my, my mind doesn't always catch up with that fact. Yeah, yeah. 
So you said that your life is so rich now. Tell me a little more about that. Well, I have a lot more friends than I used to have. I'm much more interested in spending time with my friends. I give a lot of service. Um, I've found that, um, that the more service that I give, the more I get in return. It's, it's a great joy for me to work with other people and to, um, to help introduce them to, to this way of life because it, it is such a blessing for me. And I, it just, I, I know the pain that people have that have a food addiction, and I, it just makes me so happy that I can work with other folks and help them and do things to spread the fellowship. Yeah. Now, I remember when I first met you on the phone, We, um, you mentioned that you had been in a convent for many years. I was. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how how you've changed or grown spiritually um, after being in OA. Mm-hmm. I've, I've grown a lot um, because for me, the, the first three steps um, have just been so critical to my my recovery. Um, every day I, I pray them over, uh, reminding myself that I am powerless, not over just over food, I'm powerless over everything, and that there is a higher power and that it's, it's my blessing that I can turn my life and my will over to that higher power every day. Most of my life I believed in God, uh, which is probably good since I spent a lot of that time in the convent, uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't have a higher power until after I came to OA. And that has made all the difference, because I used to think that lots of stuff was up to me. I needed to worry about this and take care of that and organize this and do that. And now I realize there's really very little up to me. It's up to God. And my job is just to, as one of my friends says, to suit up and to show up and do whatever God asks of me to do, but to leave the running of things and the organizing of things to God. Wow, very interesting. Um, it sounds like in that that um, acknowledgement that you're powerless, you actually find um, you're able to let go into life in a new way. Yes, yes. It's, it's almost a, a contradiction in terms you would think, mm-hmm. to say, well, I'm powerless, but it's in powerlessness that you find freedom. And yes. that has just made all the difference in the world for me. I would. I today. I live a life that is so incredibly rich and so incredibly blessed. And every day I wake up and I say, "Oh God, thank you that I have another day." And before, like I said, I used to every day wake up and think, "Oh, I didn't die during the night." And now I'm. I'm so grateful that I'm alive, and have the the way of life that I have. It, it's such a blessing, such a gift. Wow, what an incredible story! Thank you so much for sharing with us, Pat. Oh, you're welcome. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It was an honor to be here. Have a great day. Um, our last guest on today's show is Gloria. Are you there, Gloria? Yes, I am. Hi. Welcome. And you are from Florida also? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about your weight loss and how long you've maintained a healthy weight. Uh, I've lost 125 pounds. And I've wow. maintained that for a little over 12 years. Wow, fantastic. So yes, did you always nice. have an issue with food or eating compulsively? Yeah, Natalie, it's funny. I look at pictures of me when I was four, and I was already 30 pounds overweight. Wow. Hmm? I was a normal-sized baby, though. <laughs> and what did you find that um, food gave you 
that you weren't getting in other parts of your life? Um, I, you know, I don't know why I started with food, but food was just the thing that calmed me down. If I got angry, I needed food. Uh, if I was sad, I needed food. I, I just, it, it was a comfort. It was a friend. It was, uh, instead of being my problem, it was really my answer to every, everything that happened to me in life. Interesting. And um, what was it like as an adult to carry so much additional weight? Did you have particular physical or emotional problems as a result? It was just exhausting to try to stand on my own two feet. And I, wow. had, a, I had and have a wonderful job, and I used to go to work every day using big, those big, thick rubber bands trying to keep my skirts buttoned because I was just constantly gaining more and more weight, and I was lethargic, and uh, all, I, all I wanted to do was, was get home and eat. That yeah. was my life. Wow. And what about relationships with friends and family? Were they affected? Um, I didn't really have relationships with people. My relationships were with food, sad to say, mm-hmm. but I would rather stay home and eat than uh have a relationship, and I'm, I know that's the reason uh, I would, would uh, move away from intimacy and um, had, had no friends, essentially, be, until I came to OA. Mm-hmm. Did you go through that um, kind of, you know, try a diet, lose some weight, and then gain it back experience that so many people do? Yeah, I, I tried uh, every diet. Uh, one of the the bad things, the really bad things that I regret is that I was ter- a terrible abuser of laxatives. Mm. I mean, I would take 120 times the recommended dosage, and that's pretty sick. Wow. Did you find that you got to a place before you came to OA that was just your lowest point? Yes, Uh when I, when my son started college, my husband and I took him out there, and he went to a place in a very warm climate, and so it was awful to be moving him in. And all I could wear was this big, black, shapeless moo-moo. And I vowed that when he graduated four years later, I was going to be slim. And I went back four years later, and I was my heaviest ever. Mm. And so my answer was just to keep on eating until three months after he graduated, I found OA. Wow. Well, it's time for us to take a short break, so we will be back with Gloria after the break. I'm Naomi LaPel, and you're listening to Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, 
Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with Gloria about her recovery from compulsive eating. Welcome back, welcome back, Gloria. Hi. Um, so what was it like? You said, um, like a few months after your son graduated college, um, you found OA. So what was it like when you came to OA? What was that first meeting like for you? Uh, it was great and it was, and it was not great in that I wasn't sure that I could leave that meeting and, and not eat all the things I was used to. And, and I thought, why do I want to? Because food is all I have in my life. But at the same time, uh, when I walked in that room and saw other people who had done what I never could do, that gave me so much hope. Yeah, that seems like such a critical moment for so many people to realize that they're not alone and that other people who suffered just like they did were able to recover. Like It's just amazing you how know, common that experience is. Naomi, I admitted in that first meeting that I used to sit on the toilet and eat fried chicken with the door locked so that nobody could find me, and then I would pretend to be hungry for dinner, and I thought that was the most awful, disgusting thing, and there were lots of people in the room nodding their heads. Wow. they have done the same thing. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so... Tell me a little bit about how you began with the process in a way, you know, and how you kept yourself going because this was something that you'd never done before. Sure. It's three things. It's the people, that is the sponsor, it's the steps, and it's the higher power. A, a wonderful woman offered to help me, offered to be my sponsor, and that that was amazing to me that somebody would give their time to me who they didn't even know. Uh, and she started right away uh, helping me. She uh, suggested a food plan, and I thought, this is too much food. I'll never lose weight on that. <laughs> and she immediately started me working the steps, uh, and uh, I had friends. You know, I had a place to go, people who understood me, people who sympathized, people who had the same difficulties that I did. And so I, I wanted to go. You know, it was a great place to come back to. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was that like um, doing the very first step where you admit you have a problem and that you're powerless? Well, I think, you know, because of the age that I came in, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say. Sure. Uh, I was 50 years old when I came in, and I, I think that I pretty much knew by that time I was powerless over food because every decision in my life revolved around food. And looking back, I can think of things that I did solely because of the food. So I was, I was extremely ready to admit mm-hmm. uh, that I was powerless. 
I was powerless over food. Yeah. Was there another particular step that um, really was a turning point for you? Uh, yeah, I would say it was, uh, well, it was, all the steps are, are important. Step three and four, step three, I basically had to put somebody else in charge because I couldn't run my own life uh, because my life ran on food. But the, But even more importantly than that was the fourth step where I basically learned to look for my report, my part, my responsibility in my life. It was up to me to do something about uh, the wallowing that I was doing, and I had help. People were willing to help me to get out of that. Yeah, that seems to be such an important um, part of the program is having other people help you, be there for you, who get it. Right, people who've done it before, and as we say very simply, you know, you know, find somebody who has what you want and do what they do. Mm-hmm. That's what works. <laughs> and did you find that, that that sort of accountability factor to your sponsor or to other people in the meeting um, was also supportive for you? Very much so, uh, because I I could never do anything alone. You know, that was the problem with every diet. I I. You know, I'd be white-knuckling it, and then I'd just give up and I'd explode. And there were people every step of the way who were willing to help. And and the great thing was that then I began to want to help other people. You know, once I started losing weight, started feeling happy. Yeah. What is what is it like for you now that you've that you've lost this weight and you've kept it off? How how is life different for you physically, emotionally, spiritually? Well, you know, when you're um when you're very large, it is it is true that people don't see you. The bigger you are, the less they see you. And uh now I find that people see me. Um that I'm, I'm different. I'm willing to take risks. I'm willing to be vulnerable because I'm not so full of shame uh, at my size. So, so now my life is, uh, it's, just, it's just wonderful. I mean, basically I was an unhappy person who lived totally in my head. I never felt like a woman before I came to OA, I just lost my my womanhood, basically. Mm. And I have that back in OA. Uh, I have disciplines that I use every day to keep me abstinent. Uh, it's I think of it as retraining myself. It's like reprogramming my operating system. Yeah. Um, It's the muscle memory. If I keep doing every single day the things that kept me abstinent, then when I get into a stressful situation, I believe those things, those habits, take over and and help me to get through it. That's great. And what are some of those things that you make sure that you do every day? Every day I start every day with prayer, and I end it with prayer. I commit my my food to my sponsor. I eat three uh, weighed and measured meals. Um, I read our literature. I, I make phone calls, and I try to do service because 
OA has just absolutely given me back the life I was I was absolutely losing. And so yeah. I'm very, very grateful for that. And I want to do anything I can to help somebody else because this is such a horrible um, disease that, that makes us so full of shame about ourselves that I want to help whoever I can. Yeah. And do you find that... Um I mean, obviously, your entire life has been really transformed from this. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your relationships with people or your work, um, your health, you know, those kinds of things that absolutely have to be impacted. Sure. Uh, I'd be, oh, I'd just be so happy to. My, my health is so much better than it ever was. I, I'm healthier now than I've ever been. Uh, and I think I can live a good long time. We'll see. Uh, mm-hmm. I um, my work situation has improved because I I now take responsibility for contributing to the bottom line of my company. You know, yeah. I, I no longer say somebody else can do it. Um, I'll just tell you one quick thing. Uh, when my son was at school one time, he called home and talked to his dad, my husband, and then he asked to speak to me. And my husband said I was at a concert with friends. And he said, Mom has friends? Because this was after I got into OA because I didn't have any friends. And so it's given me friends not just in OA but um, in other areas of my life because I'm willing to be a friend. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I'm, I'm much more uh, likable now than I, than I was. You would not have liked me before. <laughs> <laughs> so it really, it really affected your entire personality before. Coming, yes, coming to OA is miraculously changed my life. I don't know any other way to say it other than um, I truly believe, as it says in, in the, the AA Big Book, that the best years of my existence lie ahead. Because of yeah. OA. Wow. And just for our listeners, um, the big book, the AA big book, is uh, the book that AA put out called um, Alcoholics Anonymous, which is so much the basic text for all 12-step programs and, and also one that is used in OA as well. Um, well, thank you, Gloria, so much for sharing your story with us and, and um, being such an inspiration to others in your life. Thank you. My my genuine pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to have you on the show. Well, we've come to the end of our program. Thank you again to Scott, Pat, and Gloria for being on the show and sharing their incredible stories with us. If you have any amount of weight to lose, or even if you don't, but you know something just isn't right with the way you relate to food and eating, I hope this show and this series will give you hope that there's a solution for you in Overeaters Anonymous. We have over 6,500 meetings in more than 75 countries worldwide. There are no dues or fees to join OA. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Go to our website at OA.org and find a meeting or call us at 505-891-2664. That's 505-891-2664. 
Join us next week when we will be talking in detail about each of the 12 steps of the OA program. So there will be a lot to talk about, and we'd love to have you join us. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for joining us this week. Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until next week's program, may you find support, acceptance, and hope for a renewed life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.